0: This is pretty exciting. You want an easier way, men, to get better clothes? All you got to do is complete a simple questionnaire, and you are matched with a dedicated personal stylist. Um, But what's really cool, too, is you uh, keep more, you get more. You keep two items, you get 10% off. Keep three, 15% off. Get keep four twenty percent off, and it's uh, four steps. That's all it is, Graham.
1: It's really simple. I liked mm-hmm. it. I did. I went through the whole process. I got a nice pair of uh, jeans. Mm-hmm. We'll call them. We'll call them casual slacks. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's a, <laughs> CS's. That's the one I, I want to talk like of ninety. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got a pair of CS's. I got a pair of CS's. I got mm-hmm. uh, a nice sort of uh, mid-level shirt, meaning between a T-shirt and a collared. A shirt. meeting shirt. A meeting shirt, right? Mm-hmm. A I'm dressed up as much as I can be as a comedian.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. I know exactly where that is. <laughs> You've got one in the closet, and then one in the laundry that uh, needs pressing. Yeah, and it's like
1: it's it's a, it's just it's a, just a cut above a t-shirt. And the fell right. people were real helpful. I wanted this size, not that size.
0: Because you get your own uh, uh, stylist. I right? I get a stylist. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you got seven days to keep. You figure out what you want to keep, what you want to send back, and. Um, It's a a process of sign up, set up your order, get a preview
1: email, then receive your clothing. Any guys out there that are single or let's say, I don't know, your girlfriend just started to become violently drunk and went nuts, then you can have someone help you uh, pick out clothes.
0: That's, again, not a straight line to that, but (laughs) yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm just throwing out hypotheticals. I'm just saying uh, like let's say, you know, some guys are like, "Oh, my wife or my girlfriend just
0: went crazy. I need a clothing service I through cl- the mail." <laughs>
1: right. My girlfriend used to help me with this sort yeah. of stuff. She went bananas, so um I need to Now cro- how am I going to dress now myself? Now how am I going to dress myself? I'm going to wear I'm going to wear the wrong size CSs. I'm going to have horrible casual slacks. I'm going to be bringing maybe some sort of Well, uh, Tank top to a professional business environment?
0: So, if your partner goes nuts, uh, we're going to make it easier for you and uh, get $25 off your first purchase. <laughs> you, oh, you, this is only if your partner goes nuts? <laughs> yeah. To get this bonus? Okay. But uh, we'll extend it to everyone who uh, just wants to use the service oh, as well. Okay. okay. Yeah, so, yeah. you
1: don't have to have a partner that loses their shit.
0: No, no. But you can put that in the comment section. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just let Uh, (laughs) us know if this is because somebody (laughs) lost it. So you get $25 off your first purchase. Visit bombfell.com slash CFN. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash CFN. And, uh, you know, Bombfell, their
1: slogan, open and close. Boom. Mm -hmm. I like it. Speaking of and clothes, this is Comedy Film Nerds episode 402. This is
0: pretty exciting. It is pretty exciting. Yeah. we got a lot of movies to talk about, too. We're in Oscar season-ish. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of movies. But there's also um, some not-so-great movies coming out, too, to fill the gaps in between the Oscar <laughs> it's movies. It's my favorite time of the year yeah. where
1: it's like, um, really good films, and, mm-hmm. and why and so, was this made?
0: And uh, a, a little bit of a dumping ground. <laughs> just
1: the- who greenlit this? Yeah, and wow, this oh, is what oh. the, this is what the genre can be when it's really made. Done we like. have
0: one of those today, Uh because we're going to be talking about Shape of Water, Rumble, The Indians Who Rock the World, Bright, and The Commuter.
1: Mm, I wonder so, which <laughs> which one is which in this, mm, this category. Mm, I don't know. Maybe more I can't, than one. I can't tell. <laughs> I don't know. There uh, might be two Oscar <laughs> picks in that nominee yeah. in that yeah. category, and two.
0: Um
1: Who's going to lose their job over this? And maybe yes. there's. Or maybe there's just a low-budget one that we are we know we're going to release now because it's just going to do...
0: Yep, and we can watch um, Filmmakers Fail Upward. <laughs> 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 because that's what happened to one of these, at least. Just uh, one? Uh, um, as far as I've heard. You know, like So far, uh, there wasn't a sequel greenlit to The Commuter. There
1: was to Bright. Oh, wow. Uh, exactly. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. We didn't like it. No. Uh, (laughs) knows? All right. Well, let's let's introduce our guest. Let's do it. First time guest. Mm -hmm. um, Also uh, was just on the first episode of the uh, First Nations Comedy Experience. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Rule. Hello,
2: everybody.
0: And did his research, too. Listened to some episodes before the show, saw some movies, took his... Guest appearance seriously. Hear
1: that, comedians? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get some oh, some weird text like oh, I didn't see any movies. What what, what are we doing today? Like, I didn't have to take it seriously. Ah, <laughs> what are? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you did, Jim. You did the some right thing. A... <laughs> what are movies? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you. Uh, you also have a podcast that I was just on. Tell us a little yeah. bit about that podcast. It's
2: uh, it's called Hollywood Indians, and it features uh, Native American entertainment professionals just talking about their life and how they got where they're at, and um, it's just to encourage and help out natives that are out there that may be interested in that and have no real base knowledge of what mm-hmm. what it takes. So it's just kind of helping people get further along faster. You know,
1: it's a cool show. I was just on it, and um, you know, it's just informative for anyone that wants to get into show business because you, you're having uh, all three of you uh, all have a lot of experience and then who all well, the guests you've, I've seen some of the other guests you've had on, like the people have. Yeah, done stuff. Yeah. And
2: it's, yeah. Um, but it was really cool. I mean, you came on to help promote and talk about the show, the um, First Nations Comedy Experience, but, and then it just turned into a regular episode where you talked about what it takes and what you do and. And it was it was awesome. We we learned a lot and about all your experiences
1: of starting up the
2: podcast and doing all this other stuff. So it was pretty
1: awesome. And um, you've been to both. You came to actually to the second episode taping. Yes. Um, how is what do you how is it to do the show like to do First Nations comedy experience? Like what has it been like for you? I mean, I know I some ask you some of these questions on camera, but um, what is that? What does this series mean to you and and all that stuff? Like how was it? That's um, sort of a meandering question. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, so how are things when you like stuff, when things happen? It was, it was fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, um, you know, it's something I'd, I'd wanted to see happen with FNX for a while. And so now that it's finally happening, um, it's, and it's better and bigger than I thought it would be. Even when he said it might be a series, I was like, okay, cool. Three or four episodes, you know, there's not that many of us and. And then when it came back it was like 12 episodes. I'm like, "Holy cow, you guys found a lot of people." That's actually 13. 13, that's what I thought. I was <laughs> listening to the podcast earlier yours and you said 12 and I'm like, "I
1: thought it was 13." All right. So back to 13. Maybe I said there's 12 more. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe I s- no, said the you wrong one. I said 12. <laughs> <laughs> Are you not involved in the thirteenth one? Uh, no. I'm just one of them. It's I'm just, just bad gonna, luck, so I'm, we don't want to call it that. Yeah, I guess, I'm just three yeah. number <laughs> like sevens, a, like a like a building in the states. Yeah. where there's a twelve twelve tw- floor. Yeah, and, then and it 14. goes to fourteen. Yeah, it mm-hmm.
2: was episode ten and a half. And, yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, it's it's pretty amazing. I, you know, a couple of the folks on Sunday they'd never had a TV spot before, and mm-hmm. so that was super exciting for them. And and I had met uh, I, you know, I know uh, Adrian, but I didn't know the other two, so. Um, yeah,
1: because we had the the ladies of Native comedy, which was uh, Adrian Chalopa, Teresa Chalupa. Chua. I, I They spelled out their last names phonetically for me. Oh, that's well, right. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: was like, did he say Chalupa? Because it's, yeah. it's chalopa. but it's fine. Chalupa. It's, yeah. Nobody. Yeah. When it's native names, nobody. I mispronounce them a lot.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, no, don't take it. And um, Deanna Mad. So you. Yeah, they were hilarious, and Chris Fairbanks was on the show, and it was just like to see. Um, it was really cool talking to them, and and some of the stuff that they said on camera, because I'm uh, I'm shooting people in the makeup chair. I'm just sort of for behind the scenes stuff, like you know, what does this mean for you, and what's the series like, and so. Um, it's just been the the responses that everyone has said has been really cool, and especially you know, Adrian was like. Not only are there not a lot of native comics there's not a lot of female native comics there's even fewer and so the fact that sh- why they created the latest of uh of native comedy and and it was really awesome and th- their 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 points of view and then they you know they drew a little bit of an audience there was like a fair amount of the crowd was like there specifically to see yep. them which was really awesome and and you know they rocked it was a really it was a really interesting it's been really interesting for me to watch and uh, we've only done two so far so that's really good. So cool. how many left then? That will be eleven. <laughs> <laughs> well, ten. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> ten. One, one of them we're gonna Fairly <laughs> this is not uh, comedy math nerds. Yeah. <laughs> one one day I'm gonna just I'm gonna just not show up and I'm yeah. not gonna tell anybody and no, that's the that's that be the episode that doesn't happen.
0: That's the uh, yeah, that's the out. That's the up.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I just actually spoke to Micah Wright, who's been on this show, who um, is the head of production at FNX. He's the one who, who asked me, like, pitch me some shows. And I said, Native stand up comedy show. And he's like, let's do it. Uh, but I just spoke to him. It looks like uh, probably in March is when the show will start airing. I don't know. Oh, uh, I have a definitive date, but it's not confirmed. I mean, I can't say. You got to wait until I it's wait, confirmed wait. Yeah, yeah. But it. But it's looking like March. Looking Marchish. ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So.
2: You don't want to mess everything up? No, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to screw it up. Yeah,
1: uh, but yeah, every Sunday's out in San Bernardino, guys. If you go to uh, my website, Grahamella dot com, or just fnx.org slash comedy, you can see all the upcoming shows and and everyone who's going to be on there. So it's 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 a pretty awesome thing to come see, and it's just funny. It's just there's just funny acts. It's it's really cool. So let's check it out. Yeah.
0: All right, let's get into some movies. All right. So uh, Shape of Water. Now this, I- I'll tell you, this movie is I, when I saw the trailers, I wasn't sure exactly what to make of it at first. Is this like a Creature from the Black Lagoon movie? Is this a Hellboy-Ape-Sapien origin story? You know, this was like, it just looked so weird. Um, and after watching the movie, I, I have to say I really enjoyed it, and I, I think it's the kind of movie that only Guillermo del Toro could have made it, Only he could have gotten it greenlit. Like if this was like a script or something that somebody was pitching, they would have been laughed out of the room. It's like, wait, so it's, you know, during um, the Cold War and there's uh, a monster, uh, an amphibious monster in in a tank in a government lab. And then uh, a cleaning lady falls in love with it like that like like just one of the quotes of the trivia uh, summed it all up for me uh, director Guillermo del Toro first met Sally Hawkins at the 2014 Golden Globes and pitched the film to her while being intoxicated he said I was drunk and it's not a movie that makes you sound less
1: drunk <laughs> <laughs> she must have come yeah, home and just been yeah. like, boy, <laughs> Del yeah, Toro, like, when he gets drunk, he comes up with some crazy yeah, movie yeah, ideas.
0: I, I'm sure that'll never get made. I'm sure that went through her head. <laughs> uh, but it's the kind of movie that has all these different genres spliced together, which I really, really enjoyed. It was uh, everything from a a spy movie to a period piece to a love story to a monster movie. And it was all put together. and. When you do that, there's so many chances for it to fall flat on its face and be ridiculous or not work or tonally shift too far in one direction or the other. And it didn't. It was um, the main thing that saved this movie that I think drove this movie was that Guillermo del Toro shot it like a drama. No matter how many fantastical elements or other elements that were going on inside the film, he never... um, steered away from it being shot as a drama so Sally Hawkins does an amazing performance especially as a mute she has to show her emotions with expression and hand gestures and sign language so she has an, an additional challenge as an actress and but she you know she uh, did a fantastic job Michael Shannon is very Michael Shannony in this movie. Oh, he's always yeah, he's yeah. great as yeah. just an evil. He's just, just
1: an e- pure evil. guy. Yeah,
0: he really is. And uh, the thing that uh, um, that was really interesting in the film too is he gave everyone another layer. Even Michael Shannon, like like his character was like this crazy, you know, slimy, um, ruthless government agent, but. He had a family and a wife and kids and you know, you showed different sides of uh you got to see different sides of like his life and his personality, and every character had those different levels to them. Uh and, which which made the film even more uh engaging. You have like uh, uh I think it was Richard Jenkins was the neighbor, and he had all these different levels to him as well. And it um uh, now the monster didn't talk, so there, you you could say that the monster definitely had a little bit, um, you know, more to him than just being a monster. Yes, but that's not the focus of the film. The focus of the film is really it's Sally Hawkins's film for sure. Mm. Uh, it really is uh, her performance. I mean, Michael Shannon is like you're just mesmerized every time he's on screen, and you just he's so good that you like you just start to kind of get goosebumps and like like you start to get creeped out like he's in the room with you mm-hmm. like. <laughs> that kind of like that kind of great performance uh like no country for old men where you just go oh my god there's a serial killer in this movie uh, they're not an actor playing a serial killer this is an actual they serial hired killer yeah they are, so um i really like this movie i like the fact that it genre bend bends all the way through i mean you've got like literally um everything like i said from a period piece to monsters to relationships to um you know, the uh, um, focuses on racism to all these different things. It was really, really uh, interesting, and uh, he put it all together in this beautiful package of uh, filmmaking that, as an auteur, every filmmaker wants to be known as an auteur. Where like this is a Spielberg film, or this is like you know a um, you know a Michael Mann film, where like you know it's their film without seeing directed by. On yeah. it, like a Scorsese, you know, film, something like that. Uh, Guillermo del Toro definitely is that. Like you, you watch this movie and you think, well, no one else could have made it. No one else could have made it look like that. No one else could have gotten it made. And um, it was a gamble. I mean, because on paper it looks completely incomprehensible, <laughs> but he pulled it off. He pulled it together, and he made a really interesting. Um, compelling film and I think it'll get nominated for the Oscar and I think he'll get a director's nod too.
1: Jim, what did you think of this movie? I thought it was good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jimrule.com, everybody.
2: Um, no, I I really, I love, you know, Smagiaro del Toro's movie. I feel like in the way he took off, just taken over Tim Burton kind of left off but more adult, a little more harsh, darker, and I love it. Um, and this, I I think this is probably my favorite movie of his. Really, and Pan's Labyrinth was, and then I think I like this one a little bit more. But I, I it's up there through. with Pan's
0: Labyrinth for yeah. sure.
2: Um, but yeah, I like the way like we were saying. I like I really like the way it unfolded um, with the characters kind of evolving and starting off with little snapshots of who they are, and then it changes as they as they kind of come out more. Um, but I was really paying attention a lot to just. His use of color; everything was so. Well, I don't want to give everything away. <laughs> I feel like even if you mention the color, it might even start giving things away. Right. But, um,
0: <laughs> everything was so meticulous. Every little attention to detail. Everything from like the, the dream sequences to, you know, the colors of the rooms. It's uh, it was all uh, very calculated.
2: Yeah, I, I think one of the things that grounded it too is that you have when you have these bizarre things happening, but people react. You know, in a grounded sense, in in that in that frame, that really helps out a lot. And I think that he did that here really well. Um, there's a couple moments in there that, that I really liked. Um, Octavia Spencer's reaction to her uh, revelation at one point was just fantastic.
0: Right. Yeah. She played a great supporting role too. Oh
1: yeah. To, I, mm-hmm. So I watched 15 minutes of this movie before my 83 year old dad got tired and made us leave. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I. Uh, uh, so what I saw. I mean, it was just like it was a it was a, such a great pairing of 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 um, Sally Hawkins and Octavia Spencer. Yeah. And how they played off of each other.
2: Yeah, that was like sort of like the buddy movie part of it. I mean, she was kind of buddies with all these people in their own way because they would speak to her and she generally wouldn't respond back much, so they would just kind of like be themselves, you know, just have these talk out loud kind of thing going on through a lot of it. It was pretty, it was pretty funny.
0: Octavia Spencer was so uh, excited to be in this movie. She said that... Uh, Um, Basically, her character was kind of reminiscent of a collaboration between her roles in The Help and Hidden Figures. But she said she would have played the desk if Guillermo del Toro had asked me to. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, uh, actors are excited to work with him, for for sure. And that's unusual because of the type of films that he makes. Like, you know, it's a lot of genre films. It's a lot of, you know, effects-driven things. It's like those kind of things you wouldn't associate... A list actors and actresses to want to you know work with them as far as like a dramatic Oscar role, but he takes all of those elements and puts them into that um, mold of like no, this is going to be an Oscar movie.
1: It just happens to have a monster in it, so it's great. How so? I mean, Jim, you have a little you you have a production background, so how much of that? When you're watching a film, especially like this, when you're watching a director that you really respect, like your own Guillermo del Toro, are you? I mean, how much of that? If your eye is looking at those things, you know what I mean? Like you're looking from a production standpoint versus just a a, a fan in the theater. Um,
2: I, w- I mean, very right at the beginning, I was definitely just doing the looking at the color of everything and how he was framing things and um, some of the pacing and the cuts, but but pretty. Soon into it, I just kind of lost that and just started enjoying it. And uh,
0: um, this is definitely one I was—no pun intended—but it does kind of wash over you. Yeah, maybe. yeah. <laughs> um, and it was—it was just nice to
2: see an adult movie in the theaters because I have a nine-year-old, so we just go see kids' movies in the theaters. <laughs> yeah, I understand. So I was like, "Oh, this! Oh, wow, I haven't seen like, an adult movie in the theaters in so long. This is so nice. <laughs> 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 no kids running around in shape mm-hmm. of water. No kids running around." Mm-hmm. And, don't have to share my popcorn with my family, so that's, that was nice <laughs> you to hug all the popcorn.
0: you go to Dad Time? That's when I go to see movies uh, Friday at 11 a.m. Oh no, yeah. was, this is last night. Yeah, oh. event, yeah. nice. So, um, all right. So, Shape of Water, check it out for sure. I think you're going to be hearing more about it from the uh, Oscars.
1: I want to uh, eventually. I will uh, see the rest of it. See the rest of it, and we'll do a spoiler up on yes. this because I think, <laughs> from what you know, I've heard you guys and other people say. Um, I don't want to spoil it here, but like the as the story unfolds, I really want to get into the specifics of that on the yes. spoiler app, So we'll do that, guys. We'll try to we'll try to do most of our spoiler apps Will be uh, Oscar Oscar related. I'm sure this will get they'll, they'll they'll be a bunch of nominations for this. for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I sell this too. The budget on it was only twenty million dollars. Oh really? Right. Wow, isn't that it crazy? No, that's what it, with all the to, effects and yeah, according oh to gosh. IMDb,
0: and it's a period piece too. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, period piece. And
1: but I think maybe the fact they the, according to IMDb the estimated budget is nineteen million four hundred thousand. So my guess is, I mean, because it's a lot of one location, maybe that's what kept it down. I don't know.
0: And also the uh, I'm sure you know Guillermo del Toro to get it made took a reduced fee and probably the leads probably took a little bit less to to get it made yeah um, that's probably where some of the, the savings was yeah and it wasn't a ton of locations but still that's it seems a little cheap considering how the movie looked
1: wouldn't it yeah I would I would have <laughs> thought more in the 50 <laughs> 50 to 100 range right
0: um, what well, also um, speaks to how bloated the other budgets are <laughs>
1: <laughs> um but also too, Sally Hawkins and Octavia Spencer are probably not getting sh- I don't think maybe Octavia, but 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 Sally uh, Hawkins isn't a-list. you know what I mean? Like she's not gonna command a 20 million dollar fee or whatever. Right. like Mm-mm. like Meryl Streepwood or somebody like that. right. So, um, all right, let's talk about this other doc that yes. that uh, was really cool. I've been wanting to see this and Jim recommended that we talk about this for this episode uh Rumble the Indians who Rock the world R- really well made doc um I think this oil I, I think this will be in the nominated in the Oscar category for best docs
2: really oh
1: just because because of how the production value on this to, I I was like cuz obviously well first of all they spent a shit ton of money on licensing cuz it's all these big songs <laughs> yeah There's <laughs> <laughs> just no way that like that and then when they were shooting I was paying close attention to um so there's a lot of archival footage there's a lot of heavily licensed there's like archival like rock and roll TV shows I know those aren't cheap and then when they were showing like uh some of these people like today on their farms I was like man that's a really nice aerial shot I'm sure they're using a drone or whatever but they had really they had really nice footage so Jim what did what did you think of of this film when you saw it
2: um, I mean for me it was just incredibly inspiring just to learn a lot of these stories that I didn't know much of I hadn't heard of
1: several of them but a lot of them I hadn't heard of
0: now this is all uh, Native American musicians
1: right yeah I, and I, mm-hmm. the thing about it is like some of them huge names uh, bands or 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 were good amazing guitarists that were in all of these giant bands that were all Native American so I didn't know that either so that was the that was the main
0: hook for you Was what were some of the the famous ones that surprised you
1: Um,
2: actually, I'm not, I should have written everyone's name down. That's all right. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Well, there was Link Ward. um, Right. Like, uh, I didn't. Link Ray. Yeah. Link Ray. I'm sorry. Link Ray. Um, I didn't know. I mean, some of these, uh, I'm going to bring this up. Some of this, like, it's all this music that, so, so, uh, Link Ray does that. Boom, boom, boom. That song, which I believe is called Rumble. Yeah. That is you've heard it a thousand times. It is one of the most iconic guitar riffs <laughs> out there. And, um, and I was like, oh wow. And he talks about, and a lot of them talked about the era they grew up in. Oh, we didn't want to, we couldn't, we didn't want to tell people we were native cause we would've, you know, gotten shit or whatever or violence or whatever the thing was. So it was like, we had to kind of keep our nativeness hidden. And that was a big part of it, which I thought yeah. was, was fascinating.
2: Yeah, and then hearing like Buffy St. Marie's story that she did, I mean, she was very political, and then all of a sudden she got shut down, and I think it came out that like counter-pro-intel had been shut, the FBI had been shutting her down and and uh, taking, taking care of her career. And that just rings so true today. A lot of Native musicians now have been writing, you know, doing songs on standing rock and things like that. And it's just, you know, it's happening all over again. And, yeah, it's it's hard to watch them because you know oh man that that was the same thing but they
1: really went at her hard and that sucks yeah she she had and then and, you know they're showing footage of her singing these like heavy anti-war songs anti-Vietnam anti-war songs and she talked I mean you see you see footage she's doing these giant shows and then they just were like you're done nope and um Well, they shut down the uh, shows no, they just shut down her career. Yeah, I mean, oh, wow, they got just she. And this is this is back in the you couldn't self-produce an oh, right. album like you could mm-hmm. today and just sell right. it online. It's it's like so if a record label doesn't, you're done. They don't if they don't give you a record deal, you're done. And that's what they did. Um, which is like the, the, I, there's so much of that that section of the film was so I I felt the same way like um, artists today. Uh, who are trying to talk about... There's no artist, there's not a lot of artists today trying to talk about what's really going on in terms of the American war machine and all this other stuff. And so um, you saw how that that was shut down. And then um, the other story that was really... uh, I mean, what's his name there was?
2: Jesse Davis was one that really just stuck out to me Is just his skill as a guitarist and then the story that his life is... It's, I mean, it's always depressing when it's a tragic ending like it with him with heroin. And so I wish he was still around. You know, I, I wish he was here to mentor a lot of the younger guys and gals that are uh, getting into rock music. But um, but when he was around, it, he did uh, that solo on Dr. My Eyes. And just I, I was after, after the doc, I just listened to that song like 50 times. Like, oh, this is so
1: great. This is so cool. That was the cool part about it. Like you say, Jim, was the. So that's this, this famous, you know, Jackson Brown song. And you're like, that was that dude's riff? Mm-hmm. And Jax Brown tells the story, oh, I I needed, this guy just came in and just did it. It was his, he goes, I need a guitar solo here. And he goes, okay, one take. It was yeah. just like th- th- another one of these completely iconic guitar riffs that you could play immediately and everyone would know Oh, what that song is. Um, too, Jimi Hendrix. The other thing that was interesting for me was the you got a, a really nice history lesson especially about the tribes from the southeast part of the U.S.
2: Right, yeah. Um, Pure Fae and a few of the others. They had this group uh, called um, Ulali and they would sing like, traditional songs from a few of the tribes in the southeast. And yeah, I was like, wow, those sound really like gospel. And then I and then finally figured it out from the documentary. I was like, oh, that's where gospel got the songs from. <laughs> that's where they got <laughs> the music from. And, <laughs> and that happened in several different genres of music where it's like, oh, this just came from a, a specific tribe. Um,
1: yeah, and a lot of the, they were talking about a lot of the, I think it's Choctaw were, um, were black. And they would like, uh, you know, because the, they took the, there was a history was that they took a lot of the native men, they shipped them out because they were warriors and they were like, well, th- th- we can't have them here with any sort of insurgency. And then when they brought the African slaves in, then some of them, um, when they escaped or whatever would get taken in by certain tribes and that's why a lot of black people have native blood in them. And it was re- that, was, that was fascinating and then that fed a lot of the blues you right. know, like, yeah, uh,
2: mm. <laughs> it, and it was in a lot of things I didn't know, you know, I just didn't know that I was like, oh, OK, that beat comes from. The so camera. this
0: documentary, it not only profiles the musicians, but goes into the history, too. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: There's one in particular. I've heard of her before. Mildred Bailey. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she was a jazz singer um, before a lot of the, the big ones you've heard of. Um, and she's the one that kind of brought the swing in terms of how to deliver the lyrics. And it came from her tribe in Idaho. She's from Idaho, uh, Coeur d'Alene tribe. So you, you watch that and you're like, oh, holy crap <laughs> like <laughs> that's incredible I'd heard actually I' had heard her story before, and I knew that, so it was just like, "Oh okay, yeah, I knew that um but uh it's 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 amazing to understand how these influences have been there, but then even more shocking to realize i had I had no idea and uh it was really cool to see it presented in this
1: documentary well that's to me why I think it should get a nomination is it does that thing we talk I've said this a million times on this show that a good documentary does it brings you into a world you weren't aware of or a world you were aware of and gives you new information about it right you know so it did it it's giving you all this great history and background and then it's telling you something that you already knew and going actually it was this and you're like no what so it's it's a really cool historical documentary that tells you about uh, uh, you know historical points and events and bands but all of these crazy influences, you know, and, uh, you know, one of the guys who was on the, I think it was, um, what's his name? Was it Robbie?
2: Oh, yeah. I forget
1: his name. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Who played with Bob Dylan. And so you're hearing his point of view of when Dylan went electric. He he was hired when Dylan would go, oh, I'm going to start doing electric, and was on the road, and they're getting booed. Because everyone's like, and, they're, and, and, and and Dylan says, well, we're going to videotape this. And he goes, or film it, obviously, back then. wasn't video, but like. And you're seeing people yell out, Judas, you sell out. Because all the folk singers aren't allowed to do, go electric. That's selling out. And when Dylan went electric, people were booing him. And this. Um, Robbie Robertson. Robbie Robertson. Yeah. Who was like young. Like he started playing when he was like 16 or something. And he was just, he was kicking ass. And so he was. You know, got got in these bands and then Dylan (laughs) hires him and he goes, man, that was a interesting way to make a buck. You go play a show, get booed, pack up (laughs) your gear, go to the next town, get booed. And a lot of the the, the, like a Rolling Stone. And and then Dylan had kind of a kind his he was like a fuck you, you know, like that was like, all right, fuck you're you going to boo me. There's this great piece. And they got great footage of them all getting a limo after a gig or whatever. And Dylan's rolling up the window going, why are you booing me, man? What of You know? He's like, <laughs> Bumping me out, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's,
0: like it's also you pay, you pay the money for the ticket. You know he's going to play electric. Do you? So you're like, you're paying the money just for the privilege of booing him yeah. for an hour and a half
1: and, <laughs> or and, two hours. And the thing that's so funny, it just shows how history, you well, know. Maybe folk singer fans have a little too much money
0: and free time. Yeah. I think then that's the, watch, the takeaway.
1: Yeah. Then go watch a folk singer. Yeah. You, <laughs> you.
2: Do these yeah, people yeah. really support you, like MTV's Unplugged yeah, series? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah finally, yeah, yeah,
0: we're geez. back.
1: <laughs> we're back, guys. We got Fine. this.
0: You know, <laughs> buy some hemp rope, you angry yeah, hippie. Jesus,
1: <laughs> there's no other. You only have one one taste in music.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so. so, and also too, even that's without social media and all of those um, ways to connect. It's even more fascinating that that would happen in every venue. That like, all right. You know, because you didn't hear like, oh, it happened at like Madison Square Garden. He got booed and then like, all right, well, let's go to the next one and boo him and let's go to the next one and boo him. But uh, so it was it got into the consciousness that uh, folk singers shouldn't use electric. And then that fascinates me that then they would people would go out of their way to buy a ticket and then boo for two hours.
1: Well, I think it's part of it is because there wasn't social media. You didn't know that last night, or last week, in this other town, he got booed, you just bought your ticket to go see Bob Dylan, and right. you show up, and you're like, huh? Like, you know what I mean, there isn't this this infrastructure of everybody, today, that would be online that, Instantly. that night, yes. <laughs> everyone would weigh in on it, and you would mm-hmm. then make a decision, and then the next town would be a bunch of people cheering with like, you know
0: they're you know putting up their holding up their phones right
1: exactly and maybe signs or whatever like fuck the folk people or something yeah (laughs) electricity's great (laughs) yeah exactly you know dressing up as guitars I don't know what but
0: um, that would be great cosplay at a uh, uh, Bob Dylan concert
1: (laughs) but no it was was really cool too because there's interviews with like Martin Scorsese and Iggy Pop and and everybody talking about influences yeah yeah which is cool. So it's a combination of. It's like a really good rock doc, mm-hmm. right? It's a really good uh, historical lesson. It's a really good Native American doc.
0: Well, you can't make a, a big rock doc without Martin's Scorsese yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I, one thing that struck me about it, too, though, is that most of these musicians were in isolation, though, as far as like it wasn't like a group of Native Americans that at all like pitched and helped the other one forward and helped the other. It's like they've heard, like, through the grave oh, you're. Oh, you are? Oh. Maybe after the fact even. And that's kind of one, like, something I'd like to see, you know, to get further on is to see more, uh, a, I guess, like a um, a movement of Native musicians moving forward and just a, all across entertainment genres. They did a previous movie called Real Engine, um, the production company behind this, and that kind of did the same thing but with Hollywood and TV.
0: I-N-J-U-N or E-N-J-U-N?
2: I-N-J-U-N,
1: yeah. <laughs> and then R-E-E-L. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 'cause isn't the product wasn't the production called it like Reserve
2: Yeah, resolu- Resolution there. or yeah. something like and it's REZ. It was like when that. I first moved out here they were out here filming that and um,
1: Well, it's kind of the thing it was like I kept thinking about the FNX show we're doing of like I, you know, no one since you, you I mean you said uh when I you're when I interviewed you a lot of the comics have said this but you were like no there's there's never been a Native stand-up comedy series. There's never, there's been, this is only the second TV special, you said, that you and Mark yeah. said that. And it was like, wow, that would, I was thinking the same thing, like, in watching the film, like, these guys didn't know each other, and then they all kind of, hey, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was like, think, I kept thinking about this show, like, oh, I hope this, <laughs> I hope this show, like, gets, you know, this community of of Native comics together and mm-hmm. and stuff like that, because I was thinking about this, uh, yesterday and this morning, as I'm watching footage from Sunday, watching the 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 ladies of Native comedy, and and I was like, you know, there's there's like a separate circuit. That's why, like I I you know I worked with you, and I have heard of Mark Yaffe because you guys work clubs, right? But but a lot of Native comics, as I'm finding out, and as if you told me too, and and especially talking, they do reserve they do tribal shows, and they do casinos, and they're not really in the club circuit. Yeah. So it's like a whole separate circuit, and why not, like, why not expand that, or I don't know, mold them together, or get them mainstream. I don't know, like, get it all. I like seeing one of the things that was cool about this doc is these musicians taking the the music from their tribe or their culture and infusing it into the mainstream, and and then you see this sort of melding of cultures makes this amazing art. I don't know. That's yeah. that's how I see it. So.
2: Yeah, that, I mean that was one thing. But we've had discussion with some other more current bands that people get upset when they do that. So they'll they'll take like some music and then they'll combine it with like electronic music, and a lot of people get don't like it. Like, oh, that's inappropriate. Those songs I, I aren't think meant the for com- that.
0: The common denominator here seems to be electricity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. the problem. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. so we the, need a Mennonite tour. Yeah, people uh, are actually mad at Tesla. Yeah. So that, there's a band a
2: uh, tribe called Red. They do like dubstep. They're up in Canada. And they're, they're great, I love their music, but, uh, but I have a good friend that's really into the Powell circuit, he just doesn't like it, and he's like, this is not, and I, and I get where he's coming from, totally, oh. mm-hmm. so, but there's different perspectives on it. And
0: Well, speaking uh, of not liking things, let's go to the next films. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Rumble, The Indians Who Rock the World, it's a great, doc. I watched it on iTunes, uh, so you, mm-hmm. I rented it, you know, on oh, iTunes great. and watched it at home, so it's, mm-hmm. it's a great film to watch, and I, I bet you it gets a nomination. It's on Amazon Prime, I think. Yeah.
0: So yeah. Check it out. And uh, the next movie is Bright. This is a Netflix movie with a budget of $90 million, the most expensive Netflix movie investment to date. Now,
1: uh, $70 million more than Sh- Shape of Water. <laughs> yes. Yes. For all you math folks out just,
0: there. Uh, just so you understand. And also. Um, and 11
1: ha- plus 2 is 13. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, both have monsters in it, although this one, the monsters were behind the camera. And,
1: uh, <laughs> oh, how long have you been waiting to make that joke? <laughs> like four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, thought, I felt like you woke yeah. <laughs> up with that joke. And you were, like, like, I can't wait to make this <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> in the car, it popped into your head. In like, the car.
0: <laughs> I got to write this one down. <laughs> uh, but I, I'll tell you now, I understand why you didn't like this movie, Graham, because you're not a fantasy fan. Like, I could see you're not a huge Lord of the Rings or a hobbit or any of those movies. I get that. I'm the target audience for this movie. Like, I love fantasy. I love when genres uh, blend together. And this movie was just a piece of shit from start to finish. Uh, It was really, really awful. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest magic power making Will Smith boring. I, I love Will Smith. I love fantasy. I like Copsia again. I, I Joel like Joel Edgerton. Yeah, yeah, I like Joel Edgerton too. Every element on its own. Piece. Yes, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy. But all of these put together made an absolute mess.
2: So it was more Hobbit than Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um And you know, Max Landis, John Landis's son. Hmm, I wonder if that helped. Uh, sold the script for three point five million dollars, wow. and this is where I become a little bit skeptical of the trivia for this film on IMDb.
1: We could make three really good movies yes, for that
0: easily. And Max Landis said that he turned down an additional one million for the sale of the script because he wanted David Ayer to direct. He had written the script specifically for Ayer, and Max Landis compared the movie to David Ayer's End of Watch, which is also what called that. Yeah, <laughs> compared it to. I didn't even know yes.
2: that yeah, he directed that.
0: Um, so this is basically end of watch with orcs and fairies <laughs> and goblins. And uh, what fascinates me the most and where this movie missed the mark so much is that how it took itself so seriously. Like if you're going to add elves and... and uh, but it took itself seriously stone. but
1: then had all this jackass, like 90s, quippy, terrible action yeah. movie banter yes and, and everything like, i, I like, was just literally waiting for i'm too getting i'm getting too old for this shit i'm like, getting where, too
0: orc for this shit oh, God. yeah uh every line <laughs> felt like a first draft and then uh when you when you're watching this a movie
1: 3.5 million dollar first yes.
0: draft yeah and you're even watching it like it's so poorly put together that even the foreshadowing and like the beginning of the movie, you're immediately like, Well, I know what's gonna happen in the last act of this film. This is clearly what's going to happen. Um, you know, we'll get into it more in the spoiler up that we're about to do, but like Hopefully. stuff like uh they're searching for a magic wand and then like uh you know, it but even just the stuff like it was so ridiculous. Like um it really, really thought it was a smart movie. That's what really irritated me. It was like one of those movies that thought it was a lot smarter than it really is. Like, look at the social commentary we're doing. We're going to Elftown where all the rich people, snobby people lives and the orcs are the... Uh you know, they're the chauffeurs and the drivers and, you know, there's racism between the orc clans and all this stuff. And like, see, we're showing a funhouse mirror up to our society. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're just making a horribly shitty movie. <laughs> and you're you're not showing me or telling me anything is yeah. what you're go doing. Yeah, go
1: back and watch Alien Nation. Yes. It does a better job of social mm-hmm. commentary than...
0: And I will say this, too. Uh, there is a really a much more interesting... I mentioned this on the last show. There's a much more interesting story... About how magic coming into our world, and if you want to treat it more seriously, like as it would be a threat, and our conventional weapons would be useless against it, is on a thrill bent. When I was working with Mark Wade over there, uh, called Arcanum, and it's a really interesting series about like a portal that opens, and then magic and creatures and elves and start pouring in, and it's like how the government has to deal with it and actually um, fight back. So, but. It's done in a much more interesting way. You know, there's, like, a beat cop. There's secret government agencies. There's all the things that this movie wanted to do that they actually do much better in the comic. And uh, it also feels more realistic and grounded in the comic, too, because mm-hmm. it's just – it's more it's better put together. I think it was the writer from uh, – he's a showrunner. I can't remember his name. Uh, I think he did the show Leverage, if you remember that show. Yeah. Um, I think he he's actually – he was writing the, uh, uh, the series. But – But this one was just an absolute uh, mess, so I I couldn't recommend it. But what irritates me the most is that uh, there is a sequel to it. It has already been greenlit. Like, Netflix can't spend money poorly fast enough.
1: I feel like if you have any sort of name recognition in Hollywood... Just go to Netflix. Just go to Netflix. You'll get a deal. They'll just and just yeah, say I oh, have do this whatever thing, you it's two yeah. talking shoes, and it's called Shoe Squad. And uh, yeah, oh, great. Yeah, stars
0: Adam Sandler. Oh, we'll give yeah, you three. Done. done. Yeah, book. Make it, it a trilogy.
2: Do yeah. you think? Uh, do you think they they accidentally thought it was Max Brooks's script <laughs> <laughs> instead of Max? Linus. They're like, oh, we love that World War Z. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> that yeah. would be really funny. Yeah, they, they, got the they got the wrong writer. got The names mixed up. The wrong
2: son of a Hollywood director.
0: Yeah. The. Because uh, Suicide Squad was so well put together, like really, give give him more work. Ninety that's million dollars. Ninety I, million dollars. It's funny. Yeah.
1: I've I've heard. I, I see Netflix spending all this money, but then I hear something... Like I was talking to an entertainment attorney, and I, some but other. But they're people, hemorrhaging debt. Well, that's the thing, yeah. and I and I hear so many people say. I don't know how this model is sustainable for them. Like, th- because they're hemorrhaging debt.
0: They're hoping Apple's going to buy them. Oh. <laughs> yeah maybe that's it like literally like they want
1: Apple or Amazon to just buy them yeah
0: I re- sort of read a rumor online about like how Apple might be uh, interested in buying them mm-hmm. so did uh, you see
1: any of this film I saw the first six minutes and yeah. it, did your know. dad have to leave too the pretty, no <laughs> <laughs> no the podcast started so. yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know we we're going to discuss it. So I was like, yeah. oh man, I've been I've been putting it off till it's really bored because
0: I heard it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's gotten savage by critics. It's, it's okay. I mean, like, yeah. it,
1: it starts out interesting. I actually was kind of like, okay, when it started. I was like, all right, okay. I'm not into it, this, you it, know, like not a horrible premise. No.
0: Not, you know, it could be really interesting.
1: And I was like, oh, there's cool. There's like a there's a long shot uh of the city of LA skyline and there's just a dragon in the right. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. cool. So you're just mm-hmm. telling me What this world would
0: look like if they merged.
1: Yeah, if they Mm -hmm. merged and and you're not, so it wasn't like, I was like, oh, so there wasn't like some event where all these creatures came to the planet. Like it's it's in our universe 10 years down the road or something. It's not that. It's no, no, these worlds, they came together a long time ago and there's just these references to the old battles or whatever. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. cool. And then just like,
0: They're searching for a magic wand.
1: Yeah, and it was just so- That only
0: certain people can touch, Mm. but then everyone wants to use. Well, how can you use it if you can't touch it? Yeah, (laughs) that's a good point. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot- Have fun watching
1: it, Jim. So how does this
2: compare to like District 9, which is like a well-done sort of- Oh,
0: they're not even in the same bar. 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 That's another one
2: that I feel like is kind of like, oh, it's kind of- I mean, that's more- Aliens, but this is... District 9
0: uh, is one of those movies that it, it knew what it was and it, all the yeah. way through, like, it had the right tone and the right feel and actually did hit on some heavy social commentary in a way that was uh, yeah. a much more compelling. <laughs> I mean, that's
2: kind of what I felt like this was
1: sort
0: of... tried try to, try to be. To be yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Never got
1: there. It's funny. It's like you talk about all the elements of Shape of Water and how difficult that is to balance all of those things, right? Right. And this this has all of these other different elements in it, and they didn't... No, yeah. It's, yeah.
0: it's completely unbalanced.
1: I would love to have seen Gar-
2: Guillermo del Toro get a shot at the script and directing, and seeing right. what his vision would have been. It, it would have been. have been completely different.
0: And
1: $70 million cheaper. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and good. And good yep. and entertaining.
0: Uh-huh. Um You know, in the right hands, you know, it, it makes all the difference. Maybe <laughs> <If>
2: Netflix <laughs> could do that. If they're going to throw on that much money, just we'll have these three directors make this and then whichever one... Actually, that's
0: true. Everyone Netflix could vote. do that. Yeah, yeah. Just vote. All you guys, it's like, you know, the trailer companies. All right, we're going to pay you guys to make three separate ones. We'll pick the one we like. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you're going to spend
1: 90 million, yeah, you each get 30. You're right, yeah. To see, what you see who comes back we'll, with the best one.
0: Yeah, we'll release the best. Winner gets the sequel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll still have enough money for yeah, it. Yeah, like a Hunger mm-hmm. Games for directors. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm all for that. That'd be great. That'd be like fun. Netflix of just losing their mind. Like, yeah, we're gonna make three versions of the same movie, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna we're gonna put them all and see which one would, you guys look, like. If
1: you're just gonna <laughs> fucking throw ninety million dollars right, into yeah. the street, I'd rather see then that. Do that. Yeah, that, yeah. I, and you would. get, yeah. How many more views would you get? Because we mm-hmm. would all go. I'm gonna watch all three.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be like Clue. Yeah, Remember exactly. I was Clue just saying we all
1: went to the different endings of Clue. Yeah. So you got two and three tickets out of people.
0: Yeah. mm Hmm.
1: All right, Netflix, you listening?
0: Yeah. So the next movie is uh, The Commuter. Now, I didn't really want to see this movie, but uh, Neil talked me into it, so he he really wanted to go see it. He's a big uh, Liam Neeson fan, as am I. Uh, Taken on a train. Taken on a train, for sure. And I'll tell you, this movie, another really, really flat and predictable and boring script, but it makes me wonder, too. It's like- when but but when you get to like it's so hard to get a movie made like out of the piles of even just literally thriller scripts what made somebody go no this is the one this is the one that needs to be made that needs to see the light of day this is the one that has something to say and uh there is nothing at all remarkable about the script in fact the script gets so lazy that you know uh the girl on the train that approaches Liam Neeson, Vera uh, Farm Farmiga, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it's never even explained like uh, who she works for, like or what the evidence is that he has to find. It's all just, um, you know, you're just assuming it's bad. Like, oh, we're the people I work for. It's like okay, okay shadowy organization. No clue as to their motivations, their methods, their resources, nothing. It doesn't matter. It never gets addressed. The next thing is like, well, there's, they witness something and, and there's uh, evidence on a uh, hard drive. And, like, you never know what it is or what was seen. And all, all of these, all of these, uh, quote, details get left out of the film. Oh, well, that's good. So it's Liam Neeson running up and down on a train for a fair amount of the, uh, uh of the movie. Although it's one of the, the uh, funnier trivia pieces is that this is the second film to co-star Liam Neeson and Colin McFarlane. The first was Batman Begins and both films feature scenes with Neeson on a computer commuter train that derails. So, uh, and the second film to feature Vera Farmiga on and an incident on a commuter train, the other being Source Code, which, are, which is actually a far better film.
1: This director also did uh, Run All Night, The Shallows, uh, Orphan. Wow. So there's a real great lineage here. It's a,
0: yeah, it's a great resume for sure. This will be a, a welcome addition to it. But it's also one of those movies, you know, like Bright, where, you know, it tries to set up a mystery and a conspiracy and tension. And when you do that, uh, especially when you have a mystery Generally, you need a few more characters to pick from who's going to be the turncoat or the uh, you know the bad guy. And this character, this this movie had none of those things. Like you start the movie, and then uh, halfway through, you go, "All right, well, it's going to be this guy that's going to be like the uh, the bad guy, like who's in on the conspiracy." Because there's no one else. There's literally no other characters. So, so it tries to make this all this tension and uh, uh, kind of like throwing red herrings at you, and none of them work. Did so you, so. Did
1: you make Neil pay for your ticket?
0: I really should have at this point. He he, owes you a ticket. Yeah, he does. Neil, I know if you're listening. Yeah. (laughs) You have a penance to pay, yeah, when you can see the commuter. And uh, it was weird, like, because he uh, he turned me around and I was like, oh, maybe we'll be good. Maybe it'll be taken on a train, and then it'll be really cool. He'll have a certain set of skills.
1: And so this be, is Neil's be... Maze Runner. Yes,
0: yes, exactly. You
1: keep thinking these Maze Runner movies right? are going to suddenly yeah. pull themselves out of a dead, <laughs> of a yeah. dead crash, a yeah. dead
0: spin. So technically, we're even. Okay. Yeah, because <laughs> I, right. I I dragged Neil I drag
1: Neil the CEO maze road. So right. it, figured, yeah. it feels like maybe this was sort of a long windy vengeance road. Yes, this was Neil's. This was Neil's vengeance. This was his
0: long con. This was his. <laughs> So um, yeah, well even, yeah, well played, Neil T. Weekly. Well played, and it was also the kind of movie where you go in with such low expectations. Anyway, like you, you expect yeah, to see. Yeah, this is. A, I want to see taken on a train. That's not that hard to live up to. You know, taken it's like on when a I train. Went to,
1: um, yeah. What's her name's? Uh, oh man, I'm blanking on her name. Halle Berry's uh, taken. In oh, kidnapped. Yeah, kidnap her mm-hmm. b- soccer mom. Right or kidnapped. Mid- whatever. Kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kidnapped. <laughs> Kidnap. Kidnap, yeah. Her, Kidnap. her, her present cool. tense. That's yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Kidnapped.
1: yeah. Like I went into that with such low expectations, but I had a blast. Right, right. Because she's just driving around in a minivan, going nuts.
0: And that one was the kind of movie too that uh, was a pleasant surprise. You're like, yeah, this is her kicking nuts uh-huh. and going crazy, and you know, chasing after her kid. But it, like, it didn't let up. It was like one of those movies that knew what it was. Mm-hmm. This one, uh, again, took itself way too seriously and was sloppily put together and written. Outstanding. So, uh, well done, everybody. <laughs> uh, all right, we have another sponsor. Look at this, two ad reads in one oh, episode. Yeah. Wow. We are making tens of dollars this week. Look at week. this now. So, uh, we have ZipRecruiter. Now, it's the new year, Graham. A lot of times, companies, New Year, you got to start uh, hiring some new people. Yeah, you do. You know, a fresh new year's begun. You're setting new goals for your business, and you got to get the right people on your Team Graham. You got to get the right people on Team Graham, right people on Team Chris. <laughs> That's, you got to get the right people on, and the right people on uh, your company. So, ZipRecruiter... Because if you to don't, you're going
1: to have some vague uh, Vera Farminga character that's just right? trying to extort <laughs> you with some weird hard drive that makes no sense.
0: Yes, exactly. And then uh, you're not even sure, like, well, are, do you have superpowers? What yeah. is? What is well, I don't even know what's going on. So if you try to Who hire people on a
1: commuter train with yeah. a bad script, yeah. they're not going to be good employees. You're
0: not going to make it. No. no. <laughs> so go to Zipper Group. <laughs> and uh, it posts your job over to 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. And it actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply. They even review every application to identify the top candidates so you never miss a great match. So it's one of those things where um, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. So it's a smart way to hire using ZipRecruiter, uh, especially if you're a small business. You don't have a huge budget to find people. Uh, it's the best way to do it's it it's the best
1: way cuz i think you know you and i are small business owners and yes. so often it's just like well who do we know we sort of know someone or right or it's like
0: oh how do we how do we get our you know job some, posting out oh, so people can see it or the whatever.
1: one person that says i'll be a free intern and you have to hire that person right? Yeah. <laughs> i'm right here guys okay i'm, sorry. I'm right
0: here God, i always forget you're in the <laughs> room yeah <It's, laughs> it never changes no we uh and we never learn <laughs> we we, don't, we never learn.
1: We need to start using
0: ZipRecruiter We more. do, for sure. Uh, and we can do it for free. Uh, that's right. You can start using it for free. You can, too. Go to ziprecruiter.com/cfn, ZipRecruiter.com slash CFN. Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R dot com. ZipRecruiter.com slash CFN. Start using it for free
1: couple of Patreon sponsors. This is what you get at the $50 level. You get FrightfullyUninformed.com. We are a podcast that watches mostly classic horror movies to figure out horror movie fandom. FrightfullyUninformed.com. And
0: Johnny Rulon has a book called Green Cheek, a junkie's guide to street magic. It's available on Amazon in both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her immortal lover T.S., On a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of supernatural America. Go to facebook.com slash happy horror show, happy horror show productions. Facebook.com slash happy horror show productions.
1: Yeah, guys, those that's what you get at the fifty dollar level. We'll get that read on every episode. And uh, a great way to support the show is go to Patreon and also click on those links. Do it, do it.
0: So let's talk about some trailers. (gasps) Uh, Red Sparrow. Which, now there, which Red Sparrow movie is this? I don't know. There's like three or four different trailers I've seen now, and uh, the first one is um, her Jennifer Lawrence being trained like Black Widow. Okay. And then the next one is her being turned into a double agent by a CIA handler. Right. Uh, and then the third one is uh, she gets in over her head and has a choice between death and a training program in a nice in an Xavier, Charles Xavier's mansion.
1: Right. There's another <laughs> one then where Joel Edgerton. Is trying to flip her. Mm -hmm. They start to have a a thing. A thing, yeah, yeah. She's trying to get him, but then he's like trying to flip her. And who do you, so it's like a spy romance sort of, yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Americans,
2: kind of.
1: Yeah.
0: That one Mm -hmm. storyline. Mm hmm. So I'm not sure which movie it is. Of
1: those four, do do any of them sound interesting Mm -hmm. to you, Jim?
0: (laughs) (laughs) They were. (laughs) But I saw (laughs) them in other movies. (laughs) So I, I don't know about this movie. This really feels like a dumping ground movie that Jennifer Lawrence uh, kind of just took a paycheck on, and same thing with Joe Edgerton. Now I'm skeptical of Joe Edgerton now on anything after Bright.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> now that's his tail. Oh. tail spinning out. Yeah, it's
0: uh he's no he's he's just on um he's on probation. He's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's not at Johnny Depp level. He's just just on probation. He's on movie probation. Is
2: Jennifer Lawrence only starring in bird bird movies now?
0: Yeah. yeah Mocking Jay, <laughs> Red Sparrow. Well, that's the yeah. thing.
1: It's the director of Hunger Games, um
0: Which Hunger Games?
1: Uh the- uh Catching Fire and Mocking Jay one and two.
0: Oh, okay. The better ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And this is also the guy that did I Am Legend.
0: Oh and not Constantine. good.
1: Constantine. Oh yeah. Nah, nah Yeah,
0: Francis okay, Lawrence. Okay, I'm
1: done. Francis Lawrence. So I don't know, man. I don't know what this is going to be. Uh-huh. Big fan
0: of Jennifer Lawrence, but this movie yeah. just doesn't really interest me that much.
1: The March release is suspect.
0: Yeah, yeah, that doesn't help it for sure. And it's not a Marvel movie, so <laughs> so the release date does matter. <laughs> now Black
2: Widow, I want to. S- I'm glad they finally announced they're going to make a Black Widow movie.
0: You guys are oh, did that know. finally happen? Oh,
2: when is that coming out? At least uh, maybe it's just rumors. I, th- I just thought I read it online. So. Oh.
1: It's about time. I'm waiting for that forever.
0: I mean, people would wanted Black Widow and Hawkeye together in a movie would be just fantastic. So I hope it happens. They have to,
1: especially after the success of Wonder Woman. Marvel, that's the first time DC's like beaten them. (laughs) So Marvel had to go, we got to do this.
0: Yeah, it's time. I mean, they're putting a lot of uh, money on Ms. Marvel. That's the uh, their big female superhero-driven movie, but that's not coming out for like another uh, year or two, something yeah. like that. That's pretty far away. Uh, but but the thing about Black Widow is we've already had this character established in multiple movies. We're ready. Right. We're ready to, for her to have her own movie. Right. So uh, the next trailer is called Tully. Now this one I, I wanted to talk about this one for a number of different reasons. <laughs> First of all, it's the, uh, the people that did Juno. So it's Jason Reitman and oh. um, uh, what's her name? Diablo Cody. Diablo Cody. Um, and it's, you know, Shirley's throne is a put upon mother who can barely kind of keep it together. And then a Mary Poppins style character comes in and actually, uh, you know, is there to help and, you Does know, she kind of turn the house around. An umbrella.
1: Yeah, that makes her float. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> That a spoon would be great. Kind of sugar makes the medicine go down. Uh, but, but
0: it really—it it, was more know, of that Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. <laughs> it went <laughs> Doubtfire place. So now, here's the one thing I really liked about this trailer is because when you watch this trailer, um, it did something a little different than the horrible trailers we've been getting, like Red Sparrow, which it shows you three quarters of the movie. It, you know, every shot from that trailer was taken from Act One. Yeah. Like, yes. it, it literally, yeah. it ends with, you know, Tully appearing, which, you know, happens probably at minute 17 or whatever the, yeah, uh, the mark right is. it's right at the end
1: of Act One. Beginning mm-hmm. of Act Two is when Tully shows up. That's right. what a good trailer should do. Yes. So you're like, okay. It, it
0: introduces the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I really liked about it, and, uh, and
1: this is another trailer where Tully's a spy, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it definitely interests me. Uh, I I think it's, and I liked the way the trailer was put together. Now, whether it backfires or not, uh, you know, we'll see. Like if they're like, "Oh, we don't get enough information in that trailer." Now I'm not going to go see it, but I thought it was a uh, a great put together trailer. I love. What if back- it goes full hand that rocks the cradle after that? Oh, see? Now that would be a complete surprise. Yeah. <laughs> that would be.
1: <laughs> what did you think, Jim, when you saw that trailer, Tully? Did you feel like? I, uh, I thought it was a good start of a trailer. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, and then Okay. And then we had to kind of guess what it was. I was like, I was like, is that Mary Poppins? And you were like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, pretty so much. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, I guess. I You know, very minimalist trailer.
0: Mm-hmm. Well. There's a different way to put it together. All
1: right. We're going to see – we'll go see – I'll see a Poppins 2.0. Yeah. <laughs>
2: but I, I'm totally okay if they stop giving everything away in trailers because I can't yes. stop watching them. So,
1: I know.
0: <laughs> and I don't need five of them to show me like five different uh, versions of the film too.
1: I know. Just give me a tease. Mm-hmm. Just give me yeah. enough to go I'm in and then that's it because I feel the same way. Like I'll watch the whole thing and then it's like, well, now I know yeah, everything that's going to
2: happen. Well, it's like – there's like Thor where they showed a lot and then there was a big buildup to it in the movie itself. I'm like, well, you showed the, the reveal in the right. very first trailer.
0: So we already know what's gonna we happen. We know who he's gonna fight. Yeah. stop <laughs> acting like this is a, a big reveal coming up here. Oh
1: yeah. my gosh, so, could it be? Yeah. That's a great example too and especially like a blockbuster but like Thor. Too much away. We're all in. Right. We're all gonna go to this. Yeah. We're all gonna see it. Just give me a taste and we'll, we'll be there. You know what I mean? You don't have yeah. to tell me the whole thing.
2: I felt the same way about the Captain America trailer, where they showed you so much of that CGI effect of making him skinny. Right. That when you sat there in the movie, you're like, "Okay, I, the first half hour is that." And it's like I've already seen right. all that's important of this. The trailer should have just been him kicking ass. Yeah. And then we reveal that he's not. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know the story already, but still.
1: That would have been a great. That we would have, have been a great it. trailer, and it would have made the movie. That much more exciting.
0: And yeah. all that stuff makes marketing departments nervous. <laughs>
1: Do the marketing departments just have show all tell their kids what it's, what presents they're wrapping for Christmas? Pretty much,
0: yeah. yeah. Like, we can't take any chances
1: <laughs> in case the unwrap <laughs> doesn't go <Yes>. well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we can't lose money on this Hot Wheels set. <laughs> So, uh, on DVD and Blu-ray, we have Blade Runner 2049. Now, I enjoyed this movie. So Uh, did I. It didn't uh, do well at the box office. Everyone I talked to that saw it enjoyed the movie, and I felt like it was a great continuation and had the same tone and feel of the original movie. Um, I'm just sorry that it didn't do well. Did you see it?
2: I have not seen it yet. Did you Um, see the original Blade Runner? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think the original did that well in theater either.
1: Yeah, as I recall, that might be true. I mean that that makes sense because it's such an out there film, right? Yeah, it just seems like they he just the, both of these movies were just made for like film nerds, like cinephiles, right? You know, like and
0: science fiction and Philip K. Dick fans. <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> that, that's not
1: like. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, thank yeah, you for yeah, making it. Appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to it. I just haven't gotten around to it. Mm-hmm. It's worth and, and it's I, worth seeing for sure. And I would, uh, you know, if you're since you didn't get to see it in the theater, the recommendation I would make is don't just have this if you're going to watch it at home don't just have this on in the background while like do other stuff like make this like movie night phone off laptop away light dim the lights and and really watch, watch it watch the movie yeah, yeah. cuz it's it's worth doing
0: uh, the next movie happy death day this was the uh, groundhog uh, murder uh movie from bloomhouse uh-huh. um came out halloween
1: interesting concept i didn't see it so I, no. I wonder i'm curious to know how it was
0: yeah i don't know anybody who saw it so <laughs> but I know it I know it made money. It doesn't matter. Doesn't take much <clears throat> for a No, no. no those, they, they have, they have they, six million
1: keep, dollar budgets or whatever and they, they just crank these things out. They're
0: the horror Adam Sandler company, pretty yeah. much. I mean the way they their model is the same. They keep the budgets very, very low. No stars. No, yeah. And they just and they each one just makes money mm-hmm. because you know, you make you know, you, you spend four and you make sixteen, you're you've made four times your budget. Mm-hmm.
1: And then you can go crank out another right,
0: yeah, another six of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, you could uh, y- you could make like what, ten to fifteen movies for Bright. You know, Bloomhouse. If we give ninety million dollars oh, to Bloomhouse, you kidding me? They'd make five years worth of movies. <laughs> That'd be their twenty-year budget. Yeah. Are you kidding me, Bloomhouse? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the Snowman. Now this one got critically savaged. Uh, this is the Michael Fassbender Snowman. Uh, murder Mystery. Where that, they showed you the entire yes, story in the a, trailer. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> so there wasn't a, a lot melt, of interest left. melt at the end? I don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All needs, we found was a carrot. Okay. Yes, and a magic hat. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to see Snowman. No. No, it's that probably not.
1: International flight. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's the only time you're going to see Happy Death Day or the Snowman is Mm -hmm. on an international flight. You have a Mm -hmm. 12 hour flight.
0: You got to kill it somehow.
1: Yeah. And there's two movies on there. Oh, I really want to see. And then you sleep and you wake up, and there's still six hours left of your flight. Mm -hmm. So you knock out Death Day and Snowman. Right.
0: (laughs) And you're like, okay. All right. Well, at least the flight's over now. Yeah.
2: There you go. And
1: I got to see Snowman.
2: Thank God the flight's over now.
0: so and we wanted to talk briefly about uh, we made the Patreon changes we were talking about for you guys Um, we've um, made the uh, tiers leaner we're going to be giving more content at the $5 level uh, we're going to be doing more movie recommendations uh, not just from the guests but also from Graham and I so we really want to get you guys in at the $5 or $10 level which whatever you can afford but like I said if you can only afford one or two that helps too
1: and also one of the things we're going to do is give you a couple days just early access on the spoiler ups. so we usually drop the spoiler ups usually on like a Thursday Mm -hmm. so we'll drop those on Tuesday for the patrons the $5 level and up yes Um, so you get to just hear it a couple days early. So mm-hmm. we're just trying to make the tiers that we did keep a little more valuable. Put more stuff in them.
0: Yes, you get, and also you'll get the posts too. The uh, social media posts, the you know the occasional poll. Mm-hmm. We'll be making more of those as well. Yeah. So we want to give you guys uh, more for your money.
1: Coming out this week.
0: Uh, Twelve strong, Graham. Oh. Not thirteen. Twelve. Twelve strong.
1: Oh, this <laughs> <laughs> Eleven plus two. Yeah. Twelve strong. <laughs> Yeah, this is the uh, the twelve special ops guys that they dropped into Afghanistan like right after 9-11. One of them's creepy, Michael Shannon. Yeah, <laughs> he's just gonna bite off some dude's fingers or yeah. something <laughs> as an interrogation <laughs> tactic. <laughs> <As> interrogation tactic.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and then the other one is Den of Thieves, which is a uh, uh, basically a heist movie that, um, if you're like, oh gosh. The commuter just left such a bad taste in my mouth. I need another uh, foreign-funded action movie that will make no sense. I'm going to see Den of Thieves*.
1: <laughs> yeah, so line up for that. Yeah. But I think I mean we talk about this every year, guys. This is when the Oscar picks that were at limited release in November and December now start going, going wide. So yeah. go see. We're, we're going to be talking about *The Post* and and all these other big Oscar films that yes. are coming out. So mm-hmm. go see those.
0: Yeah, there's, uh, in fact, uh, I want to talk next week about Greatest Showman, too. Oh, so about that it. That
1: all one. the money in the world I mm-hmm. want to see.
0: Yep, we'll be, we're slowly catching up with all the films, too. Yeah. And so I'm sure you guys are, too.
1: Darkest Hour. Yes. Just got a screener for that from the good people at SAG-AFTRA. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
0: I heard that was great. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Sure,
1: because they don't talk about when he how racist he was to Gandhi. It's just when he was in World War II being a good guy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh. You always got to find the flaw, Graham. I know, I know. <laughs> come on, let, let your show alone. Let him have his moment, him, for God's all sake. All right, he gets... <laughs> he gets some points. points. <laughs> I, I am the enemy of fun. I am the
1: enemy of fun. FDR was great. No, oh, Japanese internment camps. Graham, there you go again.
0: See, come on. You always got to find the flaw. That's <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's perfect. Uh, <laughs> is the battle days now? Is that what it is? <laughs> um bad
2: old days <laughs> that's what i that's what actually that was what i wanted to say about the shape of water it was like a great critique of the
1: good old days that's really
0: what it that really was it really was yeah it showed uh you know racism the cold war and Uh, We'll get into it more in the spoiler because there's a lot to talk about there. Well, that's a great point Mm -hmm.
1: because it's it's so often the 50s are oh this great time in America. Well, it's great for white people. Like if you were a straight white Christian, it was great for you. Yes, and you see that you see was a little
0: harder if you weren't.
1: Yeah, and you saw Michael Shannon's character in the 15 minutes that I watched. You know, he's like uh, made in Jesus's image. Jesus looks like all of us. Well, me, not you. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. says that awful line to Octavia <laughs> yeah. Spencer, and it's like, oh, it's cringeworthy, but it's like, yeah, that's how a lot of folks thought. Oh yeah, and uh-huh. still do. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so sorry, uh, did I make it all
1: bad again? All right. No, man, that was that go. was on point.
0: Okay. That was <laughs> <all right>. sweet. <laughs> because uh, it was it was the kind of thing with Michael Shannon, then, which makes him such a great actor, is that. Uh, even when he's not saying a cringe worthy line, you still cringe because he's, he's such a- uh, Just the way he washes yeah, his hands yeah. in the bathroom.
1: You're like, yeah. good Lord, that's <laughs> creepy. Just, it's him, like, is he going to eat that towel or what's he going to do with him it? Him
0: standing still creeps you out.
1: <laughs> it creeps you. If he was in this room just watching us, I would be afraid yeah. because yeah. he would be yeah. near the exit. <laughs>
0: So well, guess what? That's our show.
1: It is our show. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Rule, where can people find you? On the internet, listen to your podcast. You can listen to
2: the podcast Hollywoodindians.com. That's N D N Z dot com. And it's on iTunes and all the other other places. And it's hap- very much haphazard when we release the episodes. But uh, So who knows gonna, when the one I'm coming at? When is that? That should be this week because it's time-sensitive. Time time-sensitive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i got to sell tickets to the FNX screenings.
1: Um, cool, and you have a website or a Twitter handle or anything Jim like
2: JimRule.com, at um, Native Comedian,
1: Twitter, yeah. If you guys follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I definitely, uh, from the show we shot in uh, December that Jim's on and Laura House is on it and Mark Yaffe and Sheila Schillacki are on it, so, um, and of course we... Always put the guests um, when we when we post on Twitter. So if you follow us at Comedy Film Nerds, you can start following uh, uh, Jim Rule, which is at Native Comedian. Yep. Um, so check and listen to the the episode that I'm on. No
0: number after it. You got Native Comedian. I'm it. Well, oh, really nice. I beat up the other three guys. It was pretty yeah. Good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Um, have those other guys call me because I, I got a show to book. You booked them. <laughs> <laughs> you already did. <laughs> Even the one we didn't mention. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, guys. And then, of course, um, come out to San Bernardino every Sunday. Uh, we take a couple Sundays off, Super Bowl Sunday, the Oscars, and Easter. But every Sunday through the middle of April, go to fnx.org slash comedy. The show's going to hit the air in March. Uh, it's a really cool thing. Because FNX is a non-for-profit, your ticket uh, purchase is a- Is refundable, a, right?
0: Or, or no, tax uh, <laughs> Tax write off. Tax right off. Chris not is not refundable. an accountant. Chris is not. He doesn't know. Oh, it's it's refun- completely refundable. It's not refundable yeah. at all. <laughs>
1: when you buy a ticket, I'm fucking keeping that goddamn money. Yeah, so, we are not making a profit on this. No, so yeah, you, you, Chris Chris is wrong, and he's he's crazy. Yeah, um, so, That's how places make money. Yeah. They give away all their money. <laughs> Chris, Chris is the, you gotta Chris, make
0: money to give away money Chris is a bad businessman
1: stop <laughs> listening to what he's saying right now <laughs> oh. rich dad poor dad that's,
2: that's how you should change your Patreon just give everyone the money back
0: yeah just, that's uh, a, we're gonna start a Patreon to pay you guys can you drop their mics Aaron
1: can you drop both of their mics right now <laughs> these guys are horrible they're that killing like them. a good deal to me <laughs> these guys are horrible businessmen. stop listening to them go to the Patreon nothing is refundable that zero a month tier is on like ne- a pretty <laughs> sweet deal <laughs> None of you are getting your money back. Jim <laughs> Rule is insane. Um, so uh, thanks for listening, everybody. So Grandmawood.com. <laughs> that My website's not goddamn refundable either. Uh, once you click, you're there for life. Yes. It's like the mafia. Um,
0: and I, Oh, I did want to uh, mention, too, uh, Conversations from the Abyss, the entire first season has dropped now. You could binge listen. Uh, they're only about 15 uh, minutes each. And the last one uh, with Cecil Baldwin from Welcome to Night Vale.
1: They're really cool has, guys. Uh, it's, has dropped. It's really cool. Scripted, like, radio drama, nice. horror stuff. It's really cool.
0: Really fun. And I'm writing the uh, second season right now, and that should be out, I'm hoping, in three, four months ish. Cool. Depending, uh, it takes a while to wrangle, you know, 18 actors. <laughs> the uh... <laughs> no comment yeah <laughs> it's uh, because it's since it's anthology you know it's every uh, episode has different actors like so it's, it take, it's a little a little harder to book but uh, I will say everyone does an amazing job and uh, I love having comedians come in and be creepy because that it's not as far of a stretch as you think it would be. <laughs> oh, comedians are awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're awful, creepy human beings. Someone's been talking about the weight stuff. Somebody, uh, <laughs> I think. Oh, actually, I think it was Aaron. Aaron goes. Aaron goes to me. I'll never look at Bill Dwyer the same way again. <laughs> yeah, he because plays, he, d- he plays a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, and then he
1: did the recording uh, in a speedo. That's what I. Thought yeah, was yeah. Why would he do that? Doesn't make any sense. You
0: know, everyone has their own vo rituals, so <laughs> you never know.
1: <laughs> all right. But uh, all right, that's our show. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. No refunds. No refunds, uh, yeah. We want to thank Aaron Brungard and everybody at the All Things Comedy World headquarters. Thank you, Jim Rule, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. You got it. And uh, listen to his podcast and come out uh, to San Bernardino and, of course, watch FNX in March. My name is Graham Melwood,
0: And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han I'm shot God first. first. For no money. No! <laughs>